From Like to Know It, this is Influencer Radio, a show about the influencer industry. This season, we sit down with some of the world's most successful influencers to unpack their unique life adventures and the digital businesses they built. I'm your host, Amber Vinsbox. Today, I have the joy of introducing you to my dear friend, Courtney Kerr of Currently, a woman who almost needs no introduction. Courtney first rose to fame on reality show Most Eligible Dallas, which led to a 2013 Bravo spinoff, Courtney Loves Dallas. Her nationally syndicated daily radio show, Uncorked, further heightened her national presence and loyal follower base. And viewers continued to grow eager to know everything about Courtney's outfits and beauty routine, which eventually was her light bulb moment to leave her longtime successful career in retail and venture into the world of lifestyle blogging. Courtney first launched What Courtney Wore, which has since evolved into a digital magazine called Currently. Known and loved for being unapologetically herself, Courtney is as authentic as she is fabulous. She endears herself to her audience through her wit and humor and has successfully curated elements of her day-to-day life, including beauty, living, and travel. We are so thrilled to have Courtney here at the studio today to talk all things influencer industry, female entrepreneurship, new projects, and her everything in between. Courtney, tell me a little bit about your early life. Where did you grow up and what was that like? Oh my goodness. So I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I was born in Weatherford, conceived in San Antonio. <laughs> Thank you for Just the clarification. nugget. Shout out to my San Antonio girls. Um, and, you know, I didn't really grow up um, in a world similar to what we live like in Dallas. I mean, you know, in Dallas, it's it's very splashy. It's very... You know, you can walk down through North Park Mall and it's just overwhelming by how many designer brands you see. And and it's just, it's a different experience living in Dallas than it ever was living in Fort Worth. Um, I grew up in super low to middle class. Um, both of my parents were hardworking. My dad, he worked for the city. My mom was a teacher. So we were living really kind of hand to mouth for a long time. Um, And so my mom made all my clothes. And so we would actually go to Neiman Marcus and walk through the kids department. This was back when they had a beautiful kids department at the Fort Worth store at Ridgemar Mall. And we would walk through and she would take pictures with an actual camera. We would go get them developed. No one knows what this is like nowadays. Um, And then she would go to this place called Cloth World um, and she would buy patterns and she would make exact replicas of outfits. And that's kind of how I think I fell in love with clothing back in the day was because it felt experiential in the sense that like, I felt so pretty once I put those clothes on. And then I felt so much pride that my mom had made them. So you got the creativity from your mom. And that sounds like something that she just continued to foster throughout your early life. And what do you think you got from your dad? Probably just like my outgoing personality. He was never scared to talk to anybody. Um, We always joked that if we sat down at a restaurant by the end of the meal, the waiter, the waitress, the restaurant owner would know our names, our mother's maiden names, everything about us. And I'm very much like that. I sometimes ask questions that are totally inappropriate of people like, oh, where are you from? What do you do? Are you married? Do you have kids? Like, how old are you? Like, And then I have started catching myself recently going, I'm sorry, that's so not my business. I just, I like to know things about people. And so... I'm probably an oversharer in that capacity. So I probably got that from him. Growing up squarely middle class, a outgoing father, very creative mother. When did you start working and what did you choose as your first job? So my very first job was at Contempo Casuals, which was under like the Wet Seal Arden B brand. And I got a job 
the summer after I turned 16 years old, my parents were like, you need to figure out something to do with your life as far as like, what are you interested in? You're not just going to stay here and, and sleep till noon every morning and then go to like the community pool. Like you need to do something. And so I knew I loved clothing and I loved putting outfits together in my own closet. And I was so excited because I got a discount, even though it, it wasn't a, a large substantial discount. And I worked every day, uh, Monday through Friday from 9am to 2am at Contempo Casuals at North Hills Mall. And I got bit by the retail bug hard and I loved it. And my manager, I remember told me like, you're 16 years old and we have girls coming in here that are like in college and they want your advice. And I I love the experience of working with a customer. And I feel like that now translates to what I do on the blog. It's a very, whether it's finding the perfect face mask or it's finding the perfect concealer or it's finding the perfect pair of, of flare jeans, it's an experience for you when, when you helped connect somebody with that product. So do you love the thing or do you love the people? It's always been about the experience and the relationship and like creating that moment that people leave and they're like, I'm so grateful for Courtney because she taught me how to wear this item or how to use this item. And they're grateful to me for that moment of education. And so I think that's where I think my blog has now evolved is more education-based, teaching people about why I love this or how to use this or where you should wear this versus just, oh my God, this is so cute swipe up if you want to buy it. It comes in three colors. You know, so I think for me, it goes way past a transaction. It goes into more of like the education, which is what I love. So from Arden B, did you just continue on in your career? Did you go to school? So I went to college at Abilene Christian University, a good old Church of Christ girl, which you wouldn't know from my, my foul mouth nowadays. But I uh, went there on a, to cheer, actually. Um, I, I wasn't going to be a professional cheerleader, but at the time I was like, well, I'm going to milk this for as long as I can. And it paid for a little bit of school. And I didn't even know they did scholarships for cheerleading. I mean, yeah, considering it's not a sport. Don't get me started on that tangent. But I went to school and cheered and studied fashion merchandising. And well, well, let me rewind. I was first a business major. And after I failed my first macroeconomics class, my mom was like, maybe we need to find a different like career path. So I had to retake macroeconomics and my mom actually made me pay for the class I had to retake. That's a whole other story. But so I, I did fashion merchandising and worked all through college um, at some very colorful places. I worked at Gadzooks and back in the like, wait, what did you want the discount on at Gadzooks? The Von Dutch, of course. Like this was the prime of like, did you have a uh, lava lamp? Ashton Kutcher. No, this was like when they transitioned. That was Spencer's, <laughs> Spencer's gifts, which they were very interchangeable kind of to that that crowd hot topic was in that same but Gadzooks was selling Von Dutch exclusively in Abilene Texas and I had to have it gotta have it it was such a time to be alive and this was like in the high of Ashton Kutcher doing what was that show oh punked where he punked people and he was wearing you know the trucker hats and I lived for it so I got a job at Gadzooks and then when I'd come back home that was like the coolest place in Abilene Texas I so just reality TV is making sense to me now 100% everything comes full circle and so that was the coolest place to work in Abilene, Texas. But then when I'd come home to Fort Worth in the summers and over Christmas, I would work at Abercrombie because it's such a rite of passage. I feel like for like 98 to 2008 kids. And now it's like coming back, which is I'm so great. I think I've like sized out and aged out of it now. But at that point, it was 
the bomb. And I worked at Abercrombie and they would were always like, Courtney, we need you to like just tone it down because I was so friendly to everybody. And I don't think that like Abercrombie was synonymous for like amazing customer service. So um, I would work the cash register and they loved like how efficient and fast I was. And obviously the dressing room experience wasn't a thing at Abercrombie, but <laughs> then I don't know about it now, but I loved it. It was I just, I got bit by this bug of working retail. And so everyone was like, what are you going to do after college? And so I got an internship with Neiman Marcus and went the summer between my junior and senior. I interned for the Neiman Marcus at Fort Worth um, at Ridgemar Mall where we used to- They have a whole development program. They do. Their EDP program that they basically train girls to do, or men, whoever, to do the the assistant buying and merchandising program. So that was going to be my game plan. I was going to intern and then- test for the EDP program and then I was going to be a buyer and I had it all figured out and I interned I loved it and then after I graduated I sat for the EDP test and I I didn't pass it and I was like but I'm so good like I I I did I interned there and they did like how who cares about math I know about customer experiences because it's a, I mean EDP was a lot about spreadsheets and and math and like the math the business yes, of fashion that's all it was it was about and people who think that like being a buyer is this glamorous job I mean it's not I mean you're looking at spreadsheets you're looking at allocation and merchandise levels and what's selling what's not so it's not about what bag I like it's which bag sold in what color the most last year and yes I'm mathematically then going to buy into that Ex- for the following season. exactly it wasn't about customer service it wasn't about taste level or educating customers which is what I couldn't separate in my head at that time that that's what I was good at and that maybe I shouldn't be a buyer it was just kind back then there there wasn't blogging and influencing and Instagram so like it was that's a fashion career yeah that's what you did in 2004 and so I failed and so I got a job at Dillard's at the Lancome counter and loved it, but didn't want to work in cosmetics. I wanted to be in fashion, which is kind of hilarious now because I love beauty now. Yeah, we're full circle. Um, and then I went to, I got my first like retail sales for job. First big one was at Calypso in Highland Park Village, where I actually, this is a full circle moment, where I met your mother-in-law, Robin Box, and her son, Baxter Box, who's now your husband, which is how we met. It's all just very hilarious when you think about it. Okay, so when we met, yes, Robin said, you have to meet this amazing girl that I've made friends with through Calypso. I'm going to introduce you guys, and I'm pretty sure we met, you came over to my house. I did. So I came over to your house because I had gone through a breakup and had signed my soul to Bravo television in 2011 because I was going to be on a reality show. And what better way to go through a breakup than putting on a mic pack and just like letting the cameras letting roll. it rip? It really sounded like a great idea at the time. And well, okay, let's let's unpack that for a minute though. What do you think it was about reality tea that piqued your interest? I just don't have any like shame. I when I, I say that I don't really mean it that way. I it didn't scare me. My father, he he loved doing like videography and photography growing up. So, or like all through my childhood, there were always cameras as far as like his camcorder up on his shoulder and he had the camera and I couldn't open any presents on Christmas morning till like he had the shot. And so it never really made me nervous because they were always 
around in my childhood. And, you know, people always ask my mom, why'd you only have one kid? And she's like, well, if Courtney was your daughter, you would have quit too, because (laughs) she was just so eccentric and so over the top. And um, she was like, I was terrified I'd get another one just like her or worse. So it just never, it was never something that intimidated me. So going through a breakup and in 2011, it sounded like a great idea because I wasn't scared of it. It was something new. It was something different. And I thought, Hey, if like, what's the worst that thing that could happen? Like I'll say a couple cuss words. My mom will get mad at me. Uh, I might get in a hot tub and make out with a guy like who cares? <laughs> I don't know. It just wasn't, I wasn't scared. And, and I don't know, maybe that's what translates to my brand now is that I, I still, there's not a lot of things that I feel scared of. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they portrayed you as you were? Um, to some degree. I think there was definitely a character arch. <laughs> like they have to, you kind of have to have the fall before you have the rise. And um, I always knew how the story ended. So it never really, the first like two or three episodes were a little rocky. Um, on This was on the first reality show on Most Eligible Dallas. Because there was also Courtney Loves Dallas, which that was a whole other thing. But I always knew my own truth. And so I didn't really, it didn't upset me. And I, I wasn't in the business of being liked. And I've never been in the business of being liked. I've just been in the business of being myself. What was kind of going on in your life at that point? You mentioned you had had a breakup. You're working at Calypso. Oh, I had long left Calypso. So I was actually at that point working for Luxottica, um, which owns Sunglass Hut. So I was there doing um, retail development for them. So basically their manager training program. So I was teaching people how to be great managers and so they could then therefore teach their sales associates. So, and, and a lot of brand education, which is goes back to the education piece that I love about teaching people about how to be better, teaching people what f- sunglass fits their face or teaching people how to sell. You know, my, my boss used to joke that I could sell a melting red snow cone to a bride wearing white gloves that she, she's like, I just, I want people to be like, I gotta have it. That still translates to this day. to some well, degree. So we became friends and I remember coming to visit you at sunglass hut at the gallery mall. And we were catching up on what had happened and filming that day and with the guy that you liked and with the girl they were pitting you against. Did you stay at Sunglass Hut throughout the show? Because what people I think don't know about reality TV is like, did it pay well or? No, no one, no one is doing reality television for the money. And I wasn't doing it for the money. I was just doing it for, for like something fun to do. But I stayed working at Sunglass Hut all through Most Eligible Dallas airing. And then it didn't get picked up for a second season. And then Bravo came to me and said, so here's well, you for, got picked up for a second yes. season. So here's how this all like things went sideways. So during most eligible, you kind of were like, you should start a blog. And I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't think you had a computer at that point. I didn't. I didn't have a computer at all. I had a PC at work. Like I didn't even have a laptop. I didn't, I had no clue what I was doing in life. It's amazing that I even paid taxes up until like 2011. Did you pay taxes? I did, but I, <laughs> don't worry, uncle Sam. Um, I wasn't, I was in this whole other world that like technology, I had still had like a flip phone, like a sidekick or something. I, w- I didn't have an iPhone. I just didn't really care. Um, so you came to me and you were like, you should start a blog. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And we put it on Tumblr and it was called What Courtney Wore. We were just so original. And um, so then Bravo came to me and said, you're doing this blog now. Why don't you leave Sunglass Hut and go be a blogger? And I was like, Okay. And so I get my own show. Okay. Let's rewind back to the blog for a moment, because like you said, so there's this show, 
I was engaged with the show with you because at the time I was a personal shopper and stylist and had this jewelry line and so was helping to dress you for the event and you're wearing my jewelry being a the fantastic friend that you still are. And that was re- that really became a, a core piece of your character on the show was about how well dressed you were. Yeah, and it was it was something that I always loved to do and I loved how like you came in and kind of like said like no, you should do this instead and wear this jewelry and it was always so fun just getting to get dressed for those moments because it it allowed the audience to really see what got me enthusiastic and got me really excited. And I remember like you and I would have these nights that we would just sit and play dress up and it's so much fun. And I think I get scared that people are going to take that out of the, the fashion world that like, it's not about having 17 shirts in one color that are $34. It's about like, what do you put on that you feel really enthusiastic about? And that, I think that translated to the audience that then they wanted to be my friend. And we, in their head immediately were like, I'm that same way with my girlfriends getting ready. And I get that excited when I get dressed and I get that excited too. When I find that perfect pair of, you know, it all was always about the way it made me emotionally feel, whether it was beauty or jewelry or jeans or whatever it was. Baxter said something this morning when I got dressed and he said, I think I get it now. He said, I think that your outfits are your armor. I was like, I think that you're right about yeah. that. It, it just sets your mood. If you feel good about yourself, then you show up and you perform better. And it's just, it's part of the fun of the experience. It is. And if you feel comfortable and you, like, I think in my 37 years, I finally figured out what I feel really cool in. Like I figured out when I put on like a blazer with like a structured shoulder and like a little bit of a plunging neckline and a pointy toe heel, I feel like a badass. And this is like my let's go like run the world outfit. So this, you know, fashion became like an extra character in the show, I would say. And I remember the night before it launched, so they would send you the DVDs of the show before Mm -hmm. they went live. Mm -hmm. And so we got to watch it and I was like, people are going to ask you what you're wearing on this show. You should start a blog. And I was like, what? It pretty much went like that. It did. And then the night before it was like 1am and I'm texting you. It's like the night before the premiere. And I was like, did you start the blog? And I was like, I don't know what that means still. And so I went over to your house with Chick-fil-A. I will not forget this. This is when the reward style office was still at Mockingbird Station. Do you remember that? Like, oh, yeah, we had. We it was had like, like, I think your apartment that you actually ended up turning into an office. Well, that's a beautiful way to remember that. But it, it was, it was like, like way a, less glamorous. No, but that's how yeah. I thought of it. It was like this, like your living room was the reward style yeah. office. Yeah. And we sat in there and I was like, oh my God, she, Amber started this company. It's called Reward Style and Cupcakes and Cashmere is doing it and Man Repeller is doing it. Once I like knew who these people were and I was like, I could be that. Then I was like full on drinking oh, yeah. the like, not, this in. was before I liked to know it, but I was drinking all the blogging Kool-Aid. I was like, I am a blogger. Like, this is who I am. Well, back then too. So we, we started this Tumblr account and we had like a partnership in this because everyone, yes. you had a Twitter account, which people were following Twitter and yes. asking you what you're wearing. And, and I'd so, be like, go to Tumblr. Yes. So that was, and remember they'd send us the disc and we'd stand in front of the TV with a digital camera and, and we take would a take picture pictures of the TV. And then upload them onto your fancy laptop because I didn't have one. And then you would, Mm -hmm. you would do all the tagging Mm -hmm. and I would just tell you who they were by. Mm -hmm. And this was like back when I had zero dollars, I like barely had 
like a pot to pee in. Like I was so poor. And then you were like, where'd you get this shirt? And I was like, I got it at this really shady store that's over off of 635. It's called Upscale for Less. This is like before Upscale for Less was a thing. Um, and it's over by Sam Moon. And I don't, it doesn't even have a tag in it. <laughs> that yeah. little bizarre store. Like, we'll find a similar, we'll link it. And you it. were like, okay, so it's blue, it's one-shouldered, let's find something similar. So but we I, decided to harness this fame. <laughs> Amber's like, let's transition from that story. <laughs> Upscale is an amazing place to find things. But, you know, I think you got the second season on and on Bravo, and that's no small thing. I didn't realize at the time what it was, if you want me to be entirely honest. Like, I don't think I really had any clue the magnitude of what was actually happening. Maybe that was good. I think it was kind of an ignorance is bliss moment. And I think about now, like, if that happened to me now. Would you go on reality TV again? 100%. I, but if, if it happened to me now, I would feel so much more um, equipped with tools and how I'm going to treat it and how I'm going to not doctor anything because it would still be 100% authentic, but just how Harness I would it. Yeah, and, and prepare my brand for the impact because I wasn't prepared at all for what that was going to do to my life. I mean, it, it changed my life. In what way? I, I mean, I don't even, it, the, the list goes on so far, but like as far as, I was working as a, at a retail store for Sunglass Hut. I had barely enough money to pay my rent. I it just from a from a financial standpoint it changed my life, but also from like just a placement in life standpoint. Like I was able to meet people that I never would have had access to. I was able to connect with people that I never would have been considered appear somebody that they would want at a dinner party or somebody like I used to flip through Paper City which is like a kind of a prominent who's who magazine here in Dallas and I used to think god it would be so cool to go to those parties or it would be so cool to get invited to an opening of a of a store and not be working the cash register because I can't tell you how many parties I went to that I was the sales girl I was the shop girl but then to get invited to those things and people wanting you to be and people being like oh let's get a photographer and take a picture Courtney I'd be like oh yeah that's cool will you take one with my cell phone too like it was just truly a rags to riches moment of like just things that I had never been exposed to I was getting for the first time at the age of 28. What happens when you go from essentially being socially one person and and transforming in front of the world's eyes into this other one. Like, do people from your past show up? Oh, do they call you? I didn't realize, once again, I didn't realize at the time what was happening, but people want to be your friend again. People want to reach out like, hey, girl. It, any text that starts with a hey, girl. Like, hey, girl, what you been? Oh, my God, I saw. Uh, no, thank you. I, and I didn't know if I needed to, like, create this bubble around my life. And But at the same time, I didn't ever want to be rude to people. I wanted... To just, I wanted everything to just continue like normal, but nothing was normal anymore. And to do that in Dallas, like it's one thing to go through something like that where you're on TV in front of millions of people in, and you live in LA or you live in New York. But like when you live in Dallas, where it was the first television show that really ever happened in Dallas, but this was before Real Housewives and Little Women Dallas. There are so many re reality shows in Dallas now, but it was before any of those. And nothing registered. And I think, I always think back that like, there was like something higher than myself protecting me from my own ego because I didn't have time to like get high on myself because I was just like, okay, whatever. And I still am that way to some degree, but I just figured it out. I got a laptop. I, I, I got a, a WordPress account and made a blog. We, we just figured it out. And so who all came like back around? Oh my gosh. Um, 
Well, so this is a long story short, but my parents had gotten divorced like five years before the reality show, and I hadn't spoken to my father for another whole story because um, he had he had had an affair with a girl much younger than me. Anyways, he came back around. Um, like, I reached out to one ex-boyfriend, and he was like not interested. But then like several ex-boyfriends came back around. But then like just girls that used to be really bitchy and like – were better that I thought were cooler. They all of a sudden thought I was cool. And that was weird. Does it make you re-remember that history of like growing up or your parents divorced or I'm assuming they divorced? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they divorced when I was 24. Okay. So when you then reflect back and you see all these people coming back into your life, does it make you remember things differently about your relationship with them? Or remember even like your early life differently? Sometimes I it's hard for me to even remember life and I use this with air quotes before reality television because right when most eligible went to air Instagram launched mm -hmm. and Facebook became a really big thing and I launched my blog like it's almost like overnight this whole new world started mm -hmm. like I started Instagram after most eligible after the mm -hmm. reality show started so like it's almost like there was pre reality TV and post reality yeah. TV what do you think all of this spotlight helped you to uncover about yourself, whether it's, you mentioned like your parents and your dad, and I, I have a similar situation in my life. Um, you know, I think a lot of people do, or their parents are no longer together, but it also makes you understand things about yourself. Do you feel like you realized some things about yourself through that experience? I think first of all, I realized I wasn't as social as I always thought I was. Cause I was always this like entertaining child that was like, my parents would move the furniture and I'd like do dances in the living room and I'd be like, ta-da. And I would tell everyone when I say ta-da, that means you start clapping. I love this about you, Courtney. <laughs> um, and not much is, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I realized I love this. I I don't know how to word this. Not that I love the spotlight, but I don't like being in the spotlight. But like, just because I have a big personality doesn't mean I'm super social. Like I'm kind of an introvert in the sense that I have a really small group of people around me, but I'm the most outgoing of those in those relationships. Like I've got about 10 close people to me, but I'm the most outgoing person in their life. But I actually have a lot of social anxiety from doing reality TV because I think you realize that people don't like you for why you think they like you. They don't, they feel like they can freely talk about you like you're, not a real human and that you're not, it's not going to hurt your feelings. They make assumptions about you because you look a certain way or you say certain things or you act a certain way or you've been exposed to certain things. And they think, Oh, you went on TV, you chose this or, Oh, you're a blogger. You chose to be in the spotlight. So we can choose to like lay our opinions down about you and you can't get hurt. Like, so how do you handle that? I mean, it sucks. It's here's what I will say. I've, I'm still to this day. Okay. With people not liking me. And that's never been something that I've ever really cared. I don't need you to like me, but I do need you to respect me. And I, I think about this in like relation to food. Like I don't like cilantro, but I understand that it's essential and I respect that it's an important ingredient in a lot of great Mexican food. It's not for me though. Certain classical music, I, I respect what they do. These people train for hours in the symphony and certain Olympic sports. I respect those people. I don't need it in my not life as a thriving human. And so I don't, I think for me, it's like, I've never, 
I don't get my feelings hurt until people personally attack me. When they say, you look like Joan Rivers, I'm like, thank you. And then they say, like, you look disgusting or your face is ugly or, like, your mom should have swallowed you. Like, there's so many things that people say that are so inappropriate. And those things, I think, are totally inappropriate. And I will call those people out. But if somebody's like... I think your outfit's ugly. Like that doesn't hurt my feelings because I just yeah. get it. I'm like, yeah. I'm not your cup of so tea. Do you have a, a framework now of like these get deleted? I reply to these or like, how do you approach or how would yeah. you even suggest for people to approach that are dealing with this? So when I get messages that I think are just like people tearing me down just because they're unhappy with themselves, I straight up call them out. I screenshot the message and I put it on blast on my stories. And I say, everyone pray for at your mama or like actually the most recent was the girl her her handle was the name was at Courtney Kerr is a bitch <laughs> she had a personal personal and so I was like and so I said everyone pray for at Courtney Kerr blah 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 um but also thank you for dedicating your entire social media presence to me <laughs> you have to be funny about it because you have to realize that these people they would never say these things to your face. And so when you actually like sit down and like read the things that they say and you, and and I've actually had a conversation with a quote unquote hater before I've said, why do you not like me? And she's like, I just think that you have, you're promoting that if girls don't like something about their, their face, they can go get Botox or if they don't like their skin, they can go laser it. Or if they don't like their hair, then they can put extensions in it. And I was like, but they can like (laughs) I don't like my nails so I paint them you don't like your teeth so you straighten them with braces like I don't I'm not teaching people to not be happy with what's God given but I'm also teaching them that like if this is something that you want to make better you can do that you can go to the gym you can eat healthy I don't it's just I think so so much of it is a personal attack and trying not to get like butt hurt is Jonah Hill handles this really well. He's a great feed to follow and he just handles it tastefully. I'll let you guys go, go look that up. But I think he's a great example of how to handle haters. So from reality TV show launching the site, would you say that it's been all uphill and sprinting and running? Were there peaks and valleys? Like, have you, has it always been like full force? Like I am going to win this industry or did you ever slow down for a while? I don't think I've ever looked at it as like, I want to win the industry. I think there is a battle for staying relevant, which I think is a challenge, especially at like 37. I go, how many freaking ways can I talk about a freaking little black dress? And how many ways can I spruce up a black blazer? And how many ways, like there's only so many ways to skin a cat. And so you become the content creation, the longer you've been doing this, I think becomes more, um, not of a challenge, but as a, as a motivator, because you're having to reinvent the wheel year after year, after year, after year, after year. Um, and so I think there is that, but I also think back to what you're asking, like I've never wanted to be first or the best or the lead. I, I don't use the word leader, but I've wanted people to feel good about themselves when they read my blog. And I've wanted them to feel good about themselves when they look at my Instagram. And and I see girls leave um, like hashtag goals. And I struggle with that comment a lot because I don't ever, why am I going to cry? I don't ever want somebody to feel bad and like think she's better or she's, I want to be her. Like, or she, I want them to like come to my page and be like, I feel really good about her. Like, or like, I feel really good about her in the sense that like, I want her to be my friend and I want to look up to her. Like, I don't want them to feel bad about themselves. Like, I don't think I'm better than anybody. I don't think I'm prettier than anybody. I think I've just been given a platform to like make people 
learn more and educate people. And so I think when you think about it in the sense of like, I don't need people to go bankrupt following me. And I think that's where a lot of people um, mishandle their audience that they, they want them to buy everything so they can make all the money. It's not all about the money. It's about when people leave your page, do they hate follow you or do they follow you because you really encourage them and you really like teach them things and you make their day better. Um, which is another reason I've left like my personal relationship off of Instagram, you know, because maintaining a romantic relationship is exhausting enough ladies, (laughs) but like doing it with 300,000 people's opinions is also, uh, that sounds exhausting. And so until it's time for me to share that relationship, um, hopefully once I get a ring on it, um, <laughs> cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> then, then I'll expose that. But I think you have to be selective with what you choose and you have to be, um, and you have to understand that like not everybody that's following you has an unlimited bank account and is getting sent things by brands and can, I just, I never want people to feel bad about themselves when they follow me. There's a lot of people that follow you that I'm sure are inspired by your entrepreneurial journey and having similar life experiences. I worked retail as well. I think most every girl in America has worked either like retail or hospitality um, and and around the world for that matter. In growing your entrepreneurial or in, in embarking on that there's not always wins, right? Like there's moments of hope where, you know, if you're, if you're drowning, for example, that sounds exaggerating, but you know, entrepreneurship definitely has an emotional toll. And sometimes when you're drowning in that, what were those moments that just like let you kicked off the bottom, you know, that those like hope moments, maybe it was like winning a great campaign or something else just about like, when we're talking about just the business of influence, um, that have really spurred you on. So I think there's two that really stand out for or maybe three that I must talk about three. Uh, one. So I had an employee who worked for me. Um, her name was Shannon and she worked for me from 2012. If you watched Courtney loves Dallas, she's the intern I actually hired on that show. Um, so she worked with me from 2012 to 2017. Um, a long time it is. And she went from intern to assistant to executive assistant to director of operations. And she was my right hand. She thought for me, she thought before me, she was crucial to my business and she did so much that I didn't even know that when she left, I didn't even know how to do a lot of things. And she came to me and she said, I want to get my master's and I got accepted in, or she said, I want to go get my master's. Will you write me a letter of recommendation? And writing her letter of recommendation, I think was the kick off the bottom. Is that what she mm-hmm. said? Yeah. Moment where I was like, okay, she's truly leaving. And so I'm going to propel this woman better into the earth and better into this world as she was when she came to me. And this is my moment to show that like I can inspire women to go be more and teach them things. And then they can go into this world and and spread all the knowledge and whatever. Um, And she got accepted into Notre Dame's master's program, which uh, into their business school. And she's about to graduate with her um, MBA in like a month. And so it's just amazing to see that. And that was a moment that I thought I truly think people thought I was on like suicide watch when she left because I had no clue how to do anything. I didn't know how to post a blog post because our, our site had changed and the back end had changed. I didn't know how to link things. I didn't know how to use several very minimal functions of like, like to know it and reward style. And I wasn't CC'd on everything, which I think was kind of for my protection, but I, I had no clue how to do anything. And when she left, I, it inspired me to like go do more and be more. Cause I wanted her to go do more and be more. I think the second big moment for me, actually, I'm just going to give you two, was 
they always say that like you have to see something like what is it like six or seven times before it like sinks into your brain and like you remember something. So there was this mask that I talked about for a long time on my site um, by Colleen Rothschild and no one ever cared. Um, it was fine. Like it was just a mask that I really loved. And I got on a plane one morning kind of hung over and went to fashion week. I always do that. I always get like accidentally drunk the night before like a big event. <laughs> I think it's just like nerves and like excitement. And I'm like a kid. The kid. Celebrate early. Yeah. I'm just like so excited. I'm like, let's drink. So I got on a plane. I was so tired and I had my makeup on. I took all my makeup off and I was like, I'm going to videotape this. And I did the mask and I rolled and I put the mask on and I put it all on Instagram and I was like, swipe up. And the next day, I think we had sold like some ridiculous number of masks. And this wasn't really about a business thing, but it was about, okay, finally people get it. But it was just a really simple moment for me that I thought this was really cool. Like I don't have to be overproduced and over, I can just be myself hung over with a mask on an airplane and people like that. It doesn't have to be filtered. And it, and I think since that moment, which was actually last September, I've allowed my content to get a lot more chill I don't feel like it has to be highly produced and highly photographed. And I've done so much, so many more selfies and peeled the onion back a little bit more about like things that are going on in my day-to-day life. Whereas I never did that before because I think I was so protected after doing reality TV. And so that was like a really good thing for just me to remind me that like people like the real shit. Well, I mean, it's, it's why this industry started to begin with is because you know, you're able to find somebody online that you identify with and whether that's their faith or their body type or their region or their work history or whatever it is, there's something about them that, that makes you trust them and align with them. And so then if, and if that's you, and then when you show me blazers, I'm like, well, she picks the best blazers. Like that's obviously going to be the best one. Or I love the way that she really cares about skincare. So this is obviously it. And I think that's something that's really trending right now in influencer marketing is this return back to just why it all started. Because for a while there, you did see this hyper-produced content and it was really beautiful like stuff that needs to be in coffee table books so beautiful but it's also as an influencer you felt intimidated because there felt like a standard that you had to maintain and if you didn't maintain that then you didn't care about your business or like if I wasn't investing in this type of photography or doing xyz then I must not care about my business as much as so-and-so and if I wasn't like doing the most all the time then I was failing and now there's ways that you can succeed that don't have to do with being over the top. It's it's really, I think bloggers have gotten back to the basics. And I think some of us like dinosaur bloggers like myself, who have been doing this now for almost, what is this, almost nine years. We've seen the, we've seen it go full cycle. We've seen it go from like Tumblr and, and people uploading pictures from digital cameras that were like very underproduced and blurry to hyperproduced and over the top back to like the selfie to just be my friend. Like just yes, the same way that I would text you a picture in a dressing room of like, do you like this outfit? Yes. So is that, you think your biggest learning right now? Is that something that this just like made this impact on you and kind of changed the trajectory of your business? Or you're like Amber, something else, obviously. Well, I think it's, it's that in the sense that like just sticking to what I'm really good at and not trying to be everything to everybody. So I think I've gone through the season of, so I'm for, for people that maybe are listening that don't know me, I'm 37. I'm unmarried. I don't have any children. Um, and to find a blogger that's 37 and unmarried that doesn't have any children is a very 
it's a rare entity now in the sense that like most women, when they do have children, their, their content shifts a little bit in the sense that they introduce kid stuff and mom stuff and breastfeeding and, and fertility. And there is an audience for that. So that's amazing. But there's also an audience of women who they just want to like stick to the basics. Like I'm not going to like start uploading recipes tomorrow because I don't know anything about cocaine. And I did try that at once in one season I tried like, I'm going to be a lifestyle blog, but like, that's not what I love. I love the it just fashion. Seemed like what everyone else was doing. So you should do it. Yeah. And, and then all those women start having kids. And so it fit for their audience. And for me, it's like, I just really like the fashion and the beauty. And maybe that makes me vain. And maybe that makes whatever. I don't, I don't really care. That's what I like though. And that's what I'm interested in. And that's what I'm knowledgeable of. And so I would be doing myself a complete disservice if I started uploading like whole 30 recipes, because I know nothing about that. So now that you've let that go in the sense of, I don't need to be a media destination for everything that someone could ever want. What does your team look like? Um, you're looking at it. So I now have a, well, I take that back. I have a, a photographer. She's my director of photography and she does all my video and all my photography. And we kind of work very closely about like, what does this campaign look like? You know, there's times where I'll, I'll sit down with a campaign with her and she's like, you know, I think you should actually do that. You should selfie that. Cause I think that that Insta story would make a lot more sense with you're holding the camera yourself, like talking directly to the camera than like you speaking to the camera with like me holding the camera. So there's a lot of that conversation. Um, I also have a management team and they kind of help me filter projects of what makes sense for me and what doesn't. And at this point, I'm not saying yes to anything that I don't care about. And whereas before there was a place in my career that I said yes to a lot, but I'm coming from a place of no more right now because it's like, if, if I don't 100% love it, and then it's there, there's not a home for it because my audience won't understand it. So as a, a team of one, essentially, obviously you have a limited capacity for what all you can produce. Like you can't be maybe on stories all day. And something that I've always admired about you is you have a really healthy work-life balance and you have been able to keep those things separate and you have more fun than most people that I know, which is something I really admire because I think as people build their businesses, they have less fun. Um, and so how do you draw those boundary lines around your work? You know, actually what's funny is my boyfriend has done a really good job of drawing those boundaries <laughs> for me. Um, he, we travel a lot and I recently was like, I, I went to him and I was like, look, we travel so much and I want to share this. I don't want to disrespect you and disrespect, you know, your business and, and, much like you don't want to disrespect mine, but I need to find a place that I can share what I'm up to without blurring the lines of personal and professional for you and for me. And so recently on this last trip we went on, I, I did this thing. Basically how this whole thing started was the night before we left, he was like, Oh, you're not checking a bag. Are you? And I was like, we're leaving for eight days. What, what the yes, hell I'm do you mean? I'm not checking a bag. He was like, well, we're going to three different airports. I don't want to check a bag. It's going to cut down on time. Cause we're going to be driving. And I was like, you're the worst. And so I carried on a bag and I decided to turn this into an Insta story series that I did. And so I called it the currently traveling carry on challenge. And I said, I'm going to have eight days of outfits in the suitcase and follow along. And it actually allowed me to, to shift my focus from what we were up to, to more like what I really love, which was the outfit and the beauty and how I packed it all, which in turn helped me create content. 
So it's turning moments like that where I don't have to put like where we're eating and what we're up to and us lying in bed and no one cares about that. But I was able to make it about what every girl stresses about before they go on vacation, which is what the hell do I put in my suitcase? And so I think I'm just turning my own issues <laughs> into other, and just sh- showing people like your issues are my issues too, I promise. So if Courtney was starting today and you were telling her what to do, what would you say? Like, how do you start an influencer business today? Like, what would your advice be? Be okay with being cilantro and understand that, like, not everyone's going to like you. And that once you've accepted that you're not everyone's cup of tea, you've you've fought off every enemy for the most part. Because I think so many people in, in today's influencer world struggle to be liked um, because they are struggling for likes. And just don't worry about being liked, worry about being respected because respect is going to be sustainable over the next 20, 30 years. Whereas being liked, someone might like, might not have liked me 10 years ago, but they might really like me now. Some, I might have liked someone 10 years ago and not like them now, but respect isn't something that even if I don't like you, I can still respect you. So give me a shameless plug. What's coming up for Courtney? Oh my gosh. So well, hopefully a wedding. Jesus. Um, no, I mean, I'm dead serious. (laughs) (laughs) No, really? No, really. I mean, I'm going to need a good hashtag. A currently wedding doesn't sound good. I need, it needs to be an adjective currently headed to the chat. I'm just kidding. Um, who knows? I brought, I'm going to die. Currently size five. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, so no, I actually have one really exciting announcement and it feels very appropriate that I'm here with you on your podcast talking about this because I am actually launching a podcast this summer. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I've never been at a loss for words. (laughs) Clearly. Um, so I'll, here, I'll put it this way. The YouTube, my YouTube channel's done really well, and I love being able to talk to people and share my stories. And storytelling, I think, is such a big piece of what we do as influencers. And um, I have lots of stories to tell. And I've always operated on lists. And like, if I go to Paris, these are the five places I need to go. Or if I'm packing a, a carry-on suitcase, here's the five essentials you have to have. Or here's the five things you need in your skincare routine. Or here's the top five best concealers. So. Um, my, my podcast is going to be list driven and it's going to be called Coco makes a list. So Coco is my nickname. It's what everyone kind of close to me calls me. Um, so every week is going to be a different list. Um, whether it's like a how to or a where to or a why to, um, some weeks will have guests, some weeks won't have guests, but hopefully (laughs) you'll come on my podcast. I'd love to make a list with you, Courtney. (laughs) Amber makes a list. So when is this coming out? When can we subscribe? Fingers crossed. It's going to launch this summer. Um, I, like I said, I'm a party of one. I'm a, I'm a jack of all, a Jane of all trade. Um, and I'm trying to do everything. So hopefully it's going to happen this summer. June one is kind of my, is my goal. List one, how to start a podcast, five steps. You're telling me, can, can you, you should be my first guest and tell me how you started yours first. We can do it. Thank you so much for joining us, Courtney. I love you. You can follow Courtney in the like to know an app. At currently, not like it sounds, uh, like it's spelled K-E-R-R-E-N-T-L-Y. You can follow all the hashtags currently wearing, currently pampering, and currently traveling, and currently shopping. And currently size five. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Like to Know It Influencer Radio. Follow Courtney for her style and beauty tips in the Like to Know It app at currently. That's currently with a K.
The Like to Know It app is the only place where you can go to search for products and get 100% shoppable results, all in the context of the lives of real, influential people who use those products. Search for products like trench coat, over-the-knee boots, stroller, white marble table, and get results from real people who use them. Like to Know It product search gives you an incredible contextual experience that cannot be found anywhere else. Join our community by downloading the Like to Know It app on the App Store and Google Play.